What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. I am Money, and tomorrow's my birthday. I'm I'm so excited. Virgo supremacy. (laughs) Uh, This Capricorn vehemently disagrees with (laughs) that. And I am Nikita, and I am a person who believes people... I've tweeted this, but more people... I support Cardi B. Let me just say that. More Barty, people gang, 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 gang. should get bopped in the mouth for talking <laughs> reckless to people. I've wanted to beat the brakes off somebody for less <laughs> than talking about a baby that I do not have. So I just want to say that I support her. Bitch, come here. <laughs> yeah. And this is our 50th episode. Oh, that was a perfect moment for the burn, 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 burn. It would have been like the first time we ever did that on the podcast. We've, that's not, that is the, not true. We've done it before. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess. Did you come to work today or not? <laughs> Drop the motherfucking intro. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. Stop this! You are not truth. <laughs> All right, so this is not going to be one of our usual episodes with the segment. This is not the usual. No, because this is 50. This is And huge. I feel like we, we should be drinking right now. I was going to buy some? some beverages. I have some in the refrigerator if you want me to grab them. From last, no, I feel like I remember, I specifically remember that last time I drank on that episode and I was horrified when I listened to it. I sound like, I sounded unhinged. No, you didn't. I really did. I don't think I I'm going to drink anymore during the Queer Walk I think I'm going to get us some bottles. We're going to do it drunk off the 50th episode power. Exciting. It's like, ah, can't believe we, I made it here. We just like, wow. Yeah. It's come so, such a long way. It really has. I was thinking about this in my car today. It's a fucking show now. It's a show. Yeah. Outstanding. All right, we're not going to get into the songs that I don't know. So, oh. um, yeah, I feel like... Good music. Shut up. Fun. I feel like before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to be like, wow, thank y'all for hanging in there with us yeah. for 50 episodes. I don't know if anybody listens now who listened like way, way back when I was trying to figure out segments and I'm all raising that my hand. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sticking through that. Um, yeah, it's been... A journey. I feel like I've learned so much. The quality has definitely gotten better. (laughs) 
So, and that's all thanks to y'all. I was about to say. Yeah. Because we could be recording, but if there wasn't, you know, an mm-hmm. audience, I mean, I guess we still could have recorded, but <laughs> there wouldn't have been this really amazing community that you, along with us, have been able to foster. Yeah. And like feedback too, yeah. to make it better. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So. So speaking of, we have two main ways that y'all have contributed to this podcast to get us to 50. First of all, sharing and like telling people about yeah. us, that's, that has to be the only way that we've grown because I'm pretty bad. I do so much stuff that I'm like really bad at like promotion same, same. of the podcast. And so I have to thank y'all for that. Thank you for every time you post that you're listening to the episode, for every time you use the hashtag. Queer W-O-C. Yes, thank you. Because you know last episode I kind of yeah. fumbled that. It was a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank y'all for like becoming patrons and yes. and yeah PayPal donations, like all those things. Y'all have really made a lot of shit possible, especially this year. Like 20, yeah. 2018, 2018 has been. We've made it a very good year. Twenty gayteen, it has not disappointed. Gayteen, yes. <laughs> Same. All right. Yeah. So if you would like to continue, or maybe this is your first time ever hearing us, episode 50. 5 Welcome. Um, <laughs> you what can. What do you want to turn this into? Shut up. You can contribute by using the hashtag QueerWOC while you're listening. Just like, I don't know, uh, tweet or post about your favorite part of the program. Or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash QueerWalkPod or. Hit up the PayPal if you don't want to do become a sustainer through the Patreon, where which is monthly. You can hit up the PayPal for a one-time donation at paypal.me slash queerwoc. Did you practice? No. It was like seamless. Cause I was back I'm back on my <laughs> you know. Back on your bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was I, I feel like you're together. really using your podcast voice tonight. Am I? Yeah. I feel like I talk like this regularly. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just so enamored with the fact that it's our 50th anniversary. Yeah. And you also listen episode. to our episodes after I post them. I don't. Oh. So you would know better what my podcast voice is than I, I would. This is true, my friend. by the time I edit it, I am sick of both of us. <laughs> I'm glad we have two weeks in between episodes. Wow. <laughs> I guess it's been uh, tonight where I realized our friendship is actually hanging on by a thread. No, you know what I mean. It's like you you have to replay a segment over and over again. To you know, like like, I don't care about socialism, bitch. (laughs) I'm like I don't listen to this motherfucking word. (laughs) We get bitch capitalism sucks. There's been times, this, this is, I feel like this is like behind the scenes, y'all. I have cut so much out of like the mental moment or the word just because I'm tired of editing. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. It'll, it's all out. They get the point. They so what money is saying is that she has robbed you all <laughs> of really deep, valuable knowledge. The episodes be like. Two hours. And then, and then she has the audacity to come out here and talk about that she's a community-ass bitch. And yet, this is how she robs the community. I think uh, is, this is a perfect time to now mention a boycott of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny for the 50th 
this episode to kick off a boycott? Hell no. The segments won't go. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, speaking of the segments not going, like I said, because this is our 50th episode, this is an all questions answered episode. So I won't be doing a mental moment this episode. And I will not be doing a word. So the segments will go. Uh, but we, <laughs> but but the upside of that is that this is an all community contributors episode, basically. Because yeah. yeah, this is yeah, this is an extended community contributor yeah episode. I'm so hyped to get into these questions. But first, I was about to say, okay, take it away. I was gonna say, but before we get into the questions. And maybe you want to find out, wow, this sounds like a really amazing community. How can I be a part of it? Well, have I got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on all the different social meds. What are those social meds? You can find us on Facebook, Queerwalk, colon, the podcast. You can find us on Instagram, at QueerWalkPod. And you can also find us on Twitter with the same handle, at QueerWalkPod. And maybe there's just something that you cannot capture. What is it, 280, 240, 260? I don't know. You don't want to be limited. And you want to send us a little bit, something a little bit longer, right? You want to express yourself more fully. You can do that by sending us an email. And that is QueerRockPod at gmail.com. I hate you. Why do you hate us? <laughs> hate me. It's just the stance you get into when you're, when you're doing this. It's just like... Like whispering in somebody's ear. I, you know, because I want to entice them to become a part of the community. And how dare I forget to mention, when you are listening, wherever you're listening, be sure to use the hashtag QueerWOC. And like us and um, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening. Like, so if that's SoundCloud, can you subscribe on SoundCloud? If you're listening on the podcast app on an Apple product, can you subscribe on there too? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, you can subscribe. If you're listening on Stitcher, subscribe. If you're listening on Google Play, the one person who always listens on Google Play. Is that secretly you? It's not me! <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> no judgment. Anyway. Oh, the other thing I was going to say in terms of Apple uh, Podcasts or the Purple app... Be sure to uh, go ahead and like us and also write a review because the more ratings we have and the more reviews uh, we have, it makes it easier for other people to be able to find us. Mm -hmm. And it helps get us to another 50 episodes. Yeah. Yes. Such a milestone. Man, the next 50th episode, the next 50 episodes is going to be episode 100. Yeah. We can totally get there. I know that we will. I am fingers crossed for it. Yeah. We lied. We actually are going to do one of the segments. One of our segments. And we are going to do Queer Walk of the Week. Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) We really are putting in a jingle for every segment. I dig it. So, Money, Hmm? do you want to talk about... Who your Queer Walk of the Week is? Yeah, because we each have one, right? Yeah, we do. Okay. Which is a... I think that's a Queer Walk first. Oh, it is. <laughs> Breaking all the rules. Brand new bitches. Um, so my Queer Walk of the Week is just such a phenomenal bitch. Like, okay, I have to, I have to back up. Because today I was talking to somebody about, like, 
a really traumatic incident that I experienced when I first moved to Syracuse. Um, I was like robbed three weeks after moving here, <laughs> like jumped and beat up by this like group of kids. And I had met this person like maybe two weeks before that happened. And so we weren't like, it wasn't like we had this long-standing friendship and we were like the best of friends before this, but they showed up for me. They wrote, I remember them specifically this one time riding their bike to my house um, and just checking on me and making sure I was okay. Because after that, I like really had kind of stopped going outside and I had even missed classes a few times for like, you know, just not wanting to walk to campus and stuff. And that was the first time I realized that she was a gem. Since then, this Queer Walk of the Week has gone on to do international fucking talks, bitch. Getting invited to countries and shit to talk about black women and socialism. And just like fucking it up on the organizing front. I've, I've, I've learned so much about what it means to do um, not just, like, reactive shit, like, like rallies and resistance to, but to do principled, sustained, slow organizing that has such, like, incredible impacts and, like, why, like big-ass impacts. So I'm like, y'all bitches did that? Goddamn! Um, that I've just learned so much of that. From this Queer Walk of the Week. She is funny. She is annoying as shit. <laughs> like, a, like a little sibling. <laughs> I was with you right up until then. Right until then. Um, and I've, I've actually had like a lot of fun with how different our interests are as well. So I feel like I am a very much so a child of... The, like, 90s, I guess. And the Queer Walk of the Week that I picked is very much so a child of the 70s. <laughs> even, even, even though she completely <laughs> missed them. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, and just, like, every day that I've been, like, you know, had the pleasure enough to have a friendship with the Queer Walk of the Week uh, has been amazing. Just and I'm just a better person for knowing her, and so my queer rock of the week is Nikita Alize Slade. That is not my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. That was so sweet. I was moved to tears. I wish I would have like wrote something because I know I missed so much. No, but that was that was you. That was more than enough. Yeah. Um, I guess karaoke is, buff. Oh, stop uh, it. <laughs> you know. Um, this is awkward because, um, you're not my Queer Walk of the Week. <laughs> oh, fuck you, bitch! I was actually going to talk about Lorraine Hansberry. No, I'm kidding! <laughs> okay, well, do, do your little Queer Walk of the Week so we can go ahead on. I'm kidding. Oh, wow. I should push you right off that chair. <laughs> don't hurt me. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I feel like I genuinely talk about and express how much you mean to me. It's so funny because, especially with all this, um, like Cardi B stuff going on, and a lot of people have had all of these 
you know, critiques, blah, 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 about, you know, people pretending to be ratchet, pretending to be hood. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's the thing that I appreciate about you is that when you say that you're, you know, a ratchet ass bitch, you're not doing it. <laughs> Off no, this is cute. And this is fun. It's this hip kind of thing. But it's like, is this who I am? It's not, not only, but this, like, this is, this is how a black girl from Queens and who's lived in Alabama shows up and yeah. lives in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, you, like, on any given day, any given month, you're going to have burgundy hair. You're going to have blue <laughs> hair. You're going to, you know, you've been dying to get some yellow, yellow rays in there. So and it's badly. like, I've said this about you so many times, but I really mean it. It's like, I really feel like there's all these ways in which I feel like I realize I have a tendency to shrink myself. And I feel like I, it sounds so cliche. And it's almost like so cliche that I don't even want to say it. But I really do feel like a little flower or a plant that has like turned toward the sun and like started to blossom. And I feel like that, that I've done that. Because of how you've just been so insistent on showing up in the world as Montanique. And again, a black girl from Queens who's lived in Alabama with the name fucking Montanique. <laughs> and I feel like there, there are times yeah. when people like you, people like myself, we try to pretend... Or delude mm-hmm. ourselves into thinking that we're gonna fit in, and it's yeah. like, bitch, there's actually no place no, for you there's to. There's no way. There's I can no fit place in. for you to pretend to do yeah. that. And I just think about your insistence upon just being in the world in that way, and on, in a large degree, you can't control how other people respond and treat you. But I think I really have admired the way that, even though that's the case, you'll be like. I just remember this one time we had that almost an altercation with that nurse when our friend was in that car accident, and you yeah. were like, "Take some of that bass out your voice." Like you're, and, and like it's like it is about taking that bass out of the, mm-hmm. telling that you know that little devil take that bass out of her voice. But it's also it's like I'm actually just not going to let you stand here and disrespect me yeah. and disrespect our friend who just really who went through was a traumatic just in accident. a car accident. You trying and, to kick her out the hospital? And it's like I so uh, like a few weeks ago I like went off on like not one, not two, but three bosses i did it like right in a row <laughs> and like i mean i think that's through like my own whatever but it's like i like i think i was like i feel like i really have learned from you it's like you just we just not finna take the bullshit mm-hmm. not not finna take the bullshit in a broad sense but specifically as like black queer women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then i just also think about like this newfound thing i've even talked about on the show where i find myself i mean i don't i mean i think i use the word queer and lesbian interchangeably, but I tell you, it was like specifically through you and Barbara Smith, where I was like, "There's." It actually feels important for me to claim like black lesbian, lesbian as an identity, and I really do. Uh, that I feel like that's like a huge. It's it's a far more profound and huge shift uh, than I realized, and it's just it just means so much to me that you um, were the person that like really like put that spark in me, and like mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, like this is actually something that's really meaningful in my. Um, in my, in not just it's not just about an identity, but just like my, my mm-hmm. whole orientation to myself, mm-hmm. to others, and the broader world. Mm-hmm. And and it's so funny. I was laughing to myself because I, when we first met at that LGBT resource center, I was <laughs> I was such a little awkward, neurotic mess. <laughs> I mean, I still am. Yeah. 
right? And I was so, and I, I was, I knew I was coming off like a robot. I was like, have you done this? Yeah. Have you do-? And you were like, why is this bitch quizzing me on all this shit? I'm grown. I know how to do this. <laughs> but it was like, because I'm a robot, but I also care. Like, that was me trying yeah. to be like, this is a terrible place and I want to make sure that you do mm. X, Y, and Z. I thought you were like a plant that my mama had sent. <laughs> And it's so funny though because it's not just me, but like so many others. Because you talk about me being an organizer, but just I just think it can't be overstated how much your um, expertise and skills as a therapist, in in particular, but also your just experiences of being a, a fucking black queer woman in the world, how those perspectives have been so important for the organizing. Um, you know, one of the things that that is, I mean, I'm still trying to, like, grapple with it and understand it, um, And it's, but it's been central to, like, Black Lives Matter, like, healing justice, yes. and there's nobody mm-hmm. that I, like, I don't, like, I think it's good, you know, I'm all, we're always encouraging people to study and to read, but, like, I feel like you're, like, my go-to resource. You've not just been me, but I think for the movements here in Syracuse, you definitely have been the go-to resource on that. Um, and doing it in a way, like, I, I'll never forget this one time when I was at the, um, when I was on staff at the center, you were doing a, um, a healing circle and my, our friends literally dragged me. They were like, Nahida, they're like, what you're doing is, they're like, everything you're doing is important, but this one night taken off will not kill you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I remember I left that healing circle, feel, and like, you know, organizing is so stressful. I yeah. was so tired, especially at that moment. And mm-hmm. I went to that healing circle, and those, I, re- I will never forget. Like, there were specific strategies that you taught us, I think, around dealing with anxiety in that strategy. And I kid you not, I've literally, I'm vividly imagining and remember the next, like, there was an incident, like, three days later, where I immediately, like, recalled those strategies. And I continue to, like, recall them. And it's like, and I say it all the time, but it's like, um, it's not just like, I like, I we see it in the feedback that we get from listeners, but, like, I really experience um, your, you know, your warmth, your wealth of knowledge, and your ge- generosity in, like, real time. Not only just when we record, but, like, in life in general. And it, I tweeted this the other day, but it's like, it's it's just such a real... Um, privilege and honor to have somebody like you in my life, and there's that's like all exactly this. That's exactly how I feel about you. Like every day, I'm happened. like, how do I know this bitch? That's like, like <laughs> and it's and there's like these silly things. Like I used to harass you every time you tweeted something because I'm like, Montanique is so funny on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Like, she is so hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally, LOL. <laughs> Barbara Smith does also. Right. She, yeah. she, it was, it was so funny because she was like, you know, Montanique is so funny. She said, oh, yeah, Nikita, you're, you're, you know, you're good too. But Montanique <laughs> is just so funny. And like, she really is. And it's just like a really sharp, um, sense. It's, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, it's like a very sharp and witty sense of humor. And I just, I, and it's, I don't know, it sounds really kind of silly to say it, but it's such a, like, it's such a black, queer, feminist sense That's, of humor. Yeah, because I was about to say, I was like, the reason why my shit, like, doesn't get the likes they deserve is because it's very, my, my humor is very specific. It's, I think y'all get it and y'all know it's me. So, so, it's just so fucking funny. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, I just also, um, I'm, I feel like you have, like, when it comes to, like, transnational feminism, like, sure, I have heroes that I read and, like, look up to in that, 
But you've been the person who's taught me the most about, like, feminism beyond, like, the borders of the United States. Like, how these, how the stuff that we fight for and talk about and experience here is so, like, connected to other places in the world. Like, you're, you're the first person that I ever met that could actually talk about it without just, like, reciting uh, a s- excerpt from, like, an article sure, sure, that sure. I have to read for class. I'm like, yeah, bitch, we all read that article. Right. But, like, what does that actually mean in real life? You did that for me. I remember sitting at, like, Fusions or even just, like, after Fusion where we used to, like, all hang out and just talk. And just, like, having conversations like, oh, shit. Like, yes, you know, like, you know about the world in just such this big way that it's definitely changed the way, like, I see myself. Hmm. And, like, how I do feminism, I think. Same. Same. It's, I was just thinking, it's so ironic. Or it's just so, not even ironic, it's it's just interesting. It's like, you know, socialism is all about class and other blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But it's like... I've, there's so many times when I've heard you just talk about your, um, well, actually, socialism isn't only just about class, because I'm sure somebody would be like, mm, that's what I thought, that white shit. <laughs> um, but again, just like think, just thinking uh, specifically about how you always like move through the world and so much of your perspective is rooted in not just being a black girl, but specifically, and then so much of like the, you know, being a quote unquote hood black girl, mm-hmm. it's, it's about, it's about being, cl- it's class, it's about mm-hmm. being poor. Yeah. In right. this particular yeah. society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, and oh my God, this is the last, the last thing I'll say, because I could go on about you forever. You have just been so fucking intentional about not just bringing folks with you and like that Harriet Tubman, I got the shotgun on your yeah. back, you coming with me kind of way. But I think you've especially done that in a really beautiful way, especially with like young folks. Like you're Aww. such a fucking mentor. And I, I don't think that you move through the world thinking, I'm a mentor and I'm going to yeah. mentor these babies. Right. Like, <laughs> but you're just like, it, I just be like, you know, I see you like really just, and I think that the, I'm thinking specifically about not just, uh, young women, but it's also like you know, young queer men. Where I just I mm-hmm. can see like the way that you just like interact with them, and I think that they mm-hmm. feel that you interact with them in a very like genuine human to human way. It's yeah. not like well, I'm mentoring you, right? Right. You're gonna receive this mentorship. Like, here, young queer. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. Not, you yeah. know, it's just like oh, I'm gonna like it, all the like kickbacks we've had at your yeah. spot. Like you've been very intentional mm-hmm. about you know bringing like so. I mean, you know, we old bitches <laughs> and like just bring bringing in it's been very intergenerational yeah bringing <laughs> well, in young people yeah. and just like mm-hmm. i don't know like they're there and like you like check in on people and you mm-hmm. care about them like actively so i do yeah i love the kids <laughs> the kids I was gonna say, no trick that yeah <laughs> yeah well, so the queer locks of the week are us I think they're two pretty, yeah, two yeah. pretty amazing badass. We are, and our friendship is like even more. It's like it's like a crystal gem fusion. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds nice. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm giving a getting a really bad look. Finally, no, finally, I've been waiting for this moment. All these times where everybody laugh at me and drag me on Twitter for not knowing the song, you didn't know that reference. What is that? So now everybody drag what and is laugh it, what at me. What is a crystal gem infusion? It's not infusion. It's fusion. Crystal gem. That's a song. No. <laughs> but it's something you should know because it's so clear. Everyone's it's into such crystals a great now. show. 
Oh, is it Steven Universe? Yes! <laughs> I, I've never watched that, but I know other young queers love it. It's amazing. I love Steven Universe. I've seen every episode at least twice. Okay. All right. I'm actually, we're going to delete what I said about you for Queer Walk. <laughs> and I'm going to do Lorraine Hansberry instead. <laughs> I don't know why I keep going back. I don't know why either. <laughs> like, the ancestor on your spirit today. Maybe. So, so she, must, she must be working through me this evening. <laughs> Lorraine, like, y'all ain't celebrating me, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is basically a mashup of community contributors and topic segment. Because we're going to do all questions answered. Q&A. Yes. So. um, Preguntas. mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to shout out the new patrons? Oh, I do. So, the new patrons are Nicole and Hannah, and we want to shout out Natalia and Latoya for contributing on PayPal. Did I steal your thunder? Was I only supposed to do patrons? No, it's okay. Okay. Thanks, y'all. Thank you all so much. Yes. All right. And so, now we're going to get in. First of all, I just have to say thank y'all to everybody who's, thank you to everybody who submitted a question. Yeah. Because, Wow. Like, I was like, you know, I was like, wow, we, we know we're going to get about three, five That's questions. That's what I thought. Yeah. But we got a good amount here. Yes. So the first one, so you want to take turns? Like, I'll read one, then you Yeah, read let's one. do that. That's All right. Fine. So I'll read the first one. Okay. And it, it actually is a good follow up after our, our last, last episode, episode. Sure. Um, Academics and Afropunk, if you haven't checked it out, episode 49. Uh, so this comes from Angel in the Wind 8. How do you feel about Afropunk now after the situation with Erica Hart and Ebony? Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know Ebony's last name. Neither do I. But, yeah. Because it was actually Ebony's shirt that... Why they got thrown out? Yeah. Um, So, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, there was an incident at Afropunk in a section that we weren't allowed in. (laughs) Like the VIP. Oh. Where... Ebony had on a shirt that said Afropunk sold out to white, white consumption. consumption. And on the back it said Boycott Red Apple Nail, which is the nail salon that those black women got beat with pipes and thrown out of for not paying for their um eyebrows because they cuz the people sure. fucked up their eyebrows, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, so this shirt and for for those who don't know, um Ebony is Erica Hart's partner and um so like they were there together. Mm-hmm. And Erica Hart is a... So, the word that the uh, T with Queen and Jay used was... Image activist? Image activist. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd never heard that before. So, I was like, oh, that's exactly... That's, like, the perfect sure. word. Yeah. Um, so, she does a lot of, like, topless shoots um, because she's a breast cancer survivor. And so... Even if you don't know her by name, I know you You've, know her you've by, seen those yeah, pictures, yeah. Especially on the Afropunk page because right. they stay using her images. Yeah. Yeah, and so they were asked to leave. They were asked to leave VIP, but not kicked out of the festival, which I feel like... I didn't know that. I probably would have just left the whole thing yeah. if that would happen. Because what... It was, it was like a lot of intimidation. You can go to um, Erica Hart's Instagram to like watch the story where they talk about this in detail. Um, me and Nikita actually had heard about this before we recorded our yeah. Afropunk segment. And I feel like we touched on everything that we still feel after. Yeah. yeah. I, there was uh, that um, statement... By 
Mm-hmm. So editor in chief Lou Constant, uh, what is it? Desportes, Deportes, mm-hmm. Lou Constant, Desportes. Desportes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wrote this long statement, and um, yeah, it was basically everything we said. Right. It was just like, of course, it was like. I mean, basically, it's like radical progressive slash social justice imagery painted, right? Yeah. With not without any not, of the politics, exactly. So, um, um, and so the, like this incident, first of all, this isn't the, I think, um, that they are just the people with the like biggest platform that sure. stuff like this has happened to because mad long time ago, like I remember like, like fat people saying something about the way they were treated at Afropunk and then they put, they put together that like no fat phobia, no homophobia, no transphobia shit. Like, um, but never like address like what that means in the space. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. When we say no transphobia, that means like, you know, like right. here here's the the actual actions and principles that we expect you to live up to if you're coming to Afropunk. Right. Um so yeah, it's just sort of like radically painted. Yeah. And but no pop- radical substance. Right, right. And so yeah, so we, that's I mean, that's how we feel about yeah. Afropunk. How we um, basically how we felt on the last, last episode. Time. I mean, I don't know yeah. if there are like any sort of like organized efforts. Yeah. To like confront um, Afropunk. Um, but I mean, I still. I yeah. Because that's like, I guess that would be my only new thing is like, so what are we doing? Yeah. Because yeah. collectively. Collectively. Because I'm like, if I, I don't know, I think I've been trying to like figure this out. Like, can you like protest something while also participating in it? Mm. And I feel like if a space is yours, yes, that's the answer that I've re- like come come to. Yeah. So it's different. Like I'm a black person who likes the type of music that that performs at Afropunk. So I feel like Afropunk is for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure, the, sure, I'm sure. the audience. It's my right. space. It would be totally different if this was just like a punk concert. Yeah. Where something like this happened, I'd just be like, don't go to that. I'm not shit. gonna go back no more. Right. Yeah. I would not try to protest from within. Um, but since that, I feel like this is mine. Like, that's what I mean when I say, like, if it's yours, then yes. That, like, is there going to be, like, a a shift in, like, the way people who show up to Afropunk do stuff? Yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's, um, like, worth being thrown away. Right. I guess. It's, it's still how I feel. Yeah. I, I mean. I just want it to change. <laughs> I don't know if I want it to be thrown away. Um, and I think I said this last episode, like, because it's like, you don't want to get resigned to bullshit but i feel like it's it was very clear to me that it's not it's actually not a radical or social justice yeah. kind of anything yeah. not to not that that excuses any like i mean the way ebony um and erica retreated was i mean that's Horrendous. that's um what? unconscionable and indefensible no, but I've, I've never had any illusions i've just never had any well i shouldn't say never because i haven't been to all of the um previous um years but when i was there i was like i'm having a great time this is a wonderful like music festival but i don't i don't see um like yeah i don't see it as like a any kind of like radical political yeah um like space so i mean unless there's something again if there was some kind of organized effort where people wanted to like agitate then i feel like i would be all about that but yeah um i mean yeah i don't feel like i'm like okay well totally fuck it yeah now it might get to a point where it's just like you won't even like we won't even recognize the event, and then exactly. I would just be like, "Fuck it, I, I'm not gonna waste my time with yeah. that." But right now, I'm just like, "Yeah, I said yeah. what I said." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> please see episode forty nine entitled yeah. Academics, <laughs> "Academics and Afropunks." 
All right. All right. Read the next one. All right. So the next question is from, looks like, Vicky V. And, wow, uh, going on with the theme of capitalism. So Vicky Mm -hmm. V says, how do I go into corporate America and still work outside of capitalism? Or is it even possible not to be part of the system? So they have two questions, but we'll we'll try to get into that one first. Oh, Vicky. Um, Okay. Well, here's some things. Everybody under capitalism is forced to work. There's Mm -hmm. there's no outside of of the system, right? And so this is the debate between socialists and like particular kinds of, well, like utopian socialists and anarchists or what we call like prefigurative politics where we think that we're going to prefigure a different kind of society and we'll do that separate like away in a separate, you know, place outside of capitalism, but mm-hmm. it's an international global system. You ain't getting outside this yeah. shit, right? Until we overthrow it. But um, <laughs> then there's also the question of corporate America. So the, on the one hand, like I said, everybody is forced to work under capitalism, right? We all have to sell mm-hmm. our labor in order to, you know, make a wage. It depends on. I mean, I guess it's like I don't have any illusions about corporate America, and it. And it depends on about depends on like where you are and um, I guess like what corporation and what kind of job. Because the reality is that if you're working for a fucked up company, you're you're working for a fucked up company. Yeah. And the reality is that some the re, under capitalism, all corporations ex, exploit people mm-hmm. because that's just the nature of well, all work, all you know places where people work are exploiting exploiting people. people but yeah. there are there are some that are more egregious. Right. In my opinion, there yeah. are some that are more egregious yeah. um, than others. And most corporations, exactly. you know, mm-hmm. in my in my not so humble opinion, are garbage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I guess kind of related to like that Afropunk question. So now a lot of corporations will do like a social responsibility, per, you know, or like a diversity thing. And it's like, kind of like Afropunk, it's kind of like mm-hmm. putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, it's still going to be the fucked up thing. It's still going to be a situation where the whole goal is to enrich shareholders and um, the people at the bottom um, end up suffering. Or you think, or the thing that I've realized, and you and I have talked about this in terms of like the academy, it's like, you think I'm going to keep my head down till I get to that next yeah. position, and then you get so compromised when you get up the ladder yeah. that you're never going to actually going to yeah. go back and fight. You're never going to pick your head back. There's up. never going to be a yeah. moment where I'm like, well, now that I'm VP of right, no, be, now when you get to yeah. the VP, you're imbued with all of the ideology mm-hmm. of the company, and then you want to like, yeah, keep that situation mm-hmm. going. So. Um, I usually don't think it's a good idea to to try to tell people like you know this is bad mm-hmm. you shouldn't do this but I I don't think that there's um I think there's a difference besides trying to you know because there's two questions um, I I don't think there's any way that you're going to get into corporate America and do anything just that mm-hmm. that's just the reality um, and I don't and again even if you're like the diversity person the include the whatever mm-hmm. it's it's still fucked up. And so that's that's one thing. And then again, you're, there's just no way to work outside work outside yeah. of capitalism. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. kind of. There's probably a lot more to say about that, but I will leave it um, mm-hmm. there for now. I, I, oh, they have this other question. Yeah. Or is it even? Well, oh, sorry, the last part. Yeah. Is it even possible to not be a part of the system? It's, it's about how you yeah. how you're going to be a part it, of the system. That's what I was just about to say. It's like you like, can't have illusions and like oh no, I'm gonna make a difference yeah in some like high managerial position mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. go ahead but it, it's just about like how I guess how good you are in that position that ex- like knowing that this system exploits everybody like how how much change and help can you be in your position 
without like giving up your principles. Because right. I think, I mean, I think a lot about this going into academia. Yeah. It's like, I, I know what this institution is. I know sure. how violent it is. I know how much knowledge is left out because of the way it's sure. set up. But like, what can I do in my position? Um, and then I was, uh, I guess I was just curious about like corporate America. Like, is it actually corporate America? That's a, re- ooh, or, that's a really good Or is good it just question. like a stuffy ass office workplace? That, oh so, man, we, yeah. we could do a whole other show on that. Yeah. That's yeah. a good that question. That was my only. That's a really it, it was, a, I guess, a question. Back to, back yeah. to the... Because when to I think... <laughs> I can't think outside of uh, worry-free and power callers anymore, but I'm like, you know... Sorry are, to bother you? Yeah. I'm like, is are you doing that? Like, is that corporate America? That is such a good distinction. Or, yeah. Or are you, you know, in a suit and tie, like, workplace environment? Right. Or, you know, like... Right. Th- I think it's different. Right. Um. Yeah. And like you said, just balancing that, like how awful um, of a workplace it is. I mean, yeah. Like if you're going to be working for like a, you know, like Halliburton or, mm. you know, some Exxon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Lockheed Martin. Exactly. I just want to say that's, that's like, just indefensible. <laughs> like, just, yeah. You ain't no. Yeah. I, well, like for that last part, is it even possible to be um, outside of the system um, to not or to not take part in capitalism? I will never forget being in a class with Minnie Bruce oh. Pratt when she talked about even in death, like you're still a part of capitalism yeah. under capitalism because, and that's why we have this like complicated, we can't deal with grief because you, you're not producing anymore. Yeah. So the only way that we can talk about you in death is what you have produced. Right. Oh, wow. And like, and we see it like at, at funerals and stuff. That's what they do. Yeah. It's this, it's like this reading down your, yeah, your yeah. CV. They, yeah. they read in your resume. Yeah. What, what did you produce? Um, and so even in death, like you're a part of capitalism shit. until we overthrow that shit. Until so. we overthrow it. All right. So I'm glad I got the second part of Vicky B's question. Also, why don't the queer walks around me want to be in a relationship? I think you might got some thoughts on this. Yeah, if you find out, let me know. All right. <laughs> so, actually, I just called my biffle, Nikita, the other day to talk about how annoyed I was that everybody is broken. Yeah. Do you remember? I yeah. called you. So, um, I, too, am experiencing that nobody wants to be in a relationship. And what I see on my Twitter timeline, on Instagram, when I'm talking to people that I'm interested in, the, whether it's texting or DMing or whatever, everybody feels... Like, they're broken and, like, needing to heal and undeserving of love. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I need to step away. You know, I was so hurt by my last relationship. I've been single for five years, and I just really think that I need to, like, heal and work. Mm -hmm. Which, I I mean, I I appreciate that because I will wholly own that I have been in relationships with people who didn't need to be in relationships at the time and did need to be doing some kind of healing work. But my thing is, you've been healing... For five years. (laughs) Like, and even even being at the space to be mindful enough that you need to heal from something, I think is a much healthier place than most people who are seeking out relationships. Um, And I just, it kind of makes me sad that so many queer women of color uh, feel undeserving of somebody, like, showing them intimacy and love and connection, affection, because they feel defective. Mm -hmm. And... 
again, I'm not saying like you don't need to be working on your shit. Work on your shit if you think your shit is messy. Like clean it up. But we're always going to be on that journey of cleaning our shit sure, up. Sure, sure, sure. As long as you're alive. So when when are you going to get to a point where you feel lovable? Sure. Do you do you think there's do you think that just because you're like trying to work through or healing that you feel is necessarily related that you feel unlovable? No, it doesn't have to be, but it's so like tied together for when people for why people say they don't want a relationship. It's like uh nobody deserves to to like take on this burden that is me while mm-hmm. I'm on this healing journey. I see. I see. And I guess the way I think about myself is that um like this this machine of oppression don't take no days off so my neither does my healing. Sure. Like I'm going to always have to be healing. I'm going to always have to prioritize myself because nothing else ever will. Sure. But that does that also doesn't mean that I don't deserve sure, to be sure, sure. loved in the meantime. Of course. Um, I don't know if I have any answers. Do you think you summed it up? Bet you don't have no answers because you're in a relationship. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this is this is an interesting question. Sean B. Scribes asks, has two questions. I'm going to read the first one and the second one is really appropriate for money, so I'm going to let her read that. Oh, gosh, okay. So Sean B. Scribes asks, how has the podcast helped you both not just build virtual but physical community you want to answer first how's the podcast helped you with community well physical community i think that the semi-annual bad bitch brunch Mm -hmm. was a black baddie (laughs) i miss it it's like bees to the sixth power black baddie brigade brunch okay (laughs) um so yeah, so shout out again always to Tea with Queen and Jay. Uh, even South by Southwest, Marsha's uh, play, Marcia's Diamond. Play, yeah. Um, the Holes from Inner Holes Upriding and Lena and Stephanie from Bag Lady. So yes. I feel like that's like a very good concrete example a, yeah. of, I mean, we're not around each other all the time in the same physical space, but I think that more like it would only within like this past year it's honestly, been like a year yeah where we've like yeah. been i think pretty intentional about yeah trying to see each other in person yeah. it's so funny i saw like sam posted that she was at niagara falls i'm like bitch you around the corner right you come, come say hey in syracuse but yeah it's yeah it's definitely been i don't know it's just it's such a tool like it, it i almost like instantly started connecting with people when I started doing the podcast. Yeah. In ways that... I think it's a more human medium... Yeah. Than, like, Tumblr. I was on Tumblr for years. And I still now, if I need to just dump somewhere that I know nobody will, like, ever see it, just go on there and type up a bunch of stuff and nobody will respond at all. But hearing your voice, there's something about that. It feels a little more... Like, it feels, like, a little more connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just... It's so funny because after we left... Um, from Afropunk, I got a message from somebody. They were like, yo, was that Afropunk? They were like, I saw y'all. And they were like, I knew it was y'all. But they were like, next time when y'all are like in the city, like hit me up and, you know, we'll do something. Or like, I've gone to do stuff upstate, uh, you know, in my like organizing day job. And someone's been like, you know, thanks. You know, we did this talk about immigrant rights. It's important. But I just want to let you know that I do listen to your podcast. (laughs) So, um, that's always, there's always fun and unsurprising or surprising ways in which like, even in our like 
not day to day life, but um, going about, you know, yeah. moving through the world, we meet people who listen to the podcast. Yeah. I think uh, it has helped our friendship. I was just about to say yeah, that. Nikita used to be ghost. So I tell you, she used to be ghost. Yeah. So not only is she like very introverted, if you can't tell, um, and I'm incredibly extroverted, if you can't tell. <laughs> um, so I just wouldn't see you for like yeah. a whole month. And you, you work constantly. Yeah. I feel like... This has forced you to take a break. I I basically bullied you into coming to New York with me to do the audio festival. Oh right, the, I, I just oh, I just literally yeah. only did that because I was broke and I was like, I don't want to, I can't afford to pay that fifteen dollars. <laughs> so you were my guest, so you can get in for free. Yes, and and she's been my co-host ever since. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we're like deep into our anniversary too. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've surpassed it. Yeah. That's so much fun. Yeah. So that's it. So you want to do a second question for Sean V's card? Yeah, you're going to read it. All right. Also, the Greek episodes were some of my favorites. I don't know if Nikita is NPAC, but I'm curious if or how she sees black Greek letter orgs and their on and off campus function in comparison to unions for organizing the disenfranchised for change. I'm not going to say that last part because I am a Sigma Gamma Rho, so I will not. You're not going to announce, say what, I I guess I should I'll just say shout out to the Zetas. How about that? Oh, wow. But I ain't going (laughs) to. There's some real. I'll just, I'll give a big hand clap to the Zetas. I don't got no beef with the Zetas. I love Zetas. But you're just not going to do another I really do love Zetas. I've dated a few Zetas. Wow, Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I ain't doing nobody else call. That's right. just not happening. Okay. So yeah. I'm sure that somehow your sorority sisters would get this shit cut they, right off the air. They, I would immediately get a letter saying that like they revoked my letters or that's, some that's shit. That's how that would. <laughs> yeah. Um. How do I see? It's funny because I have dated several women who are Greek, and like we'll th- we'll throw on each other's like clothes or bag or something and don't realize Ooh. that we suddenly wear each other's letters. Mm. <laughs> Walking out in the wrong colors, girl, get you fucked up. <laughs> you just just done thrown on this blue sweater and don't realize it says Z5B instead of SG Row. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, I did. So, for those of you who don't know what Sean P. Scribe is uh, referencing, I did what I wanted to be a full series, uh, but right now it's just two episodes of Gay and Greek. Um, and I interviewed other queer Greeks. Yeah. And so one was our dear, dear friend, Seth, Seth. Um, who you can find on social media at uh, Seth the Shocker. Uh, <laughs> or I should say Dr. Davis. Dr. Now. Davis, indeed. <laughs> yeah, and so those were fun for me to do. Um, and so I would like to hear what you think about Greek letter organizations, Nikita, because you're not Greek. Yeah, I feel like this is going to have me fucked up in the streets. Like, oh, that's that bitch? <laughs> Why are you trying to pledge? No, not at all. <laughs> that goddamn individual. I know what the GDI is. Um, should we, maybe we should say what NPHC is. Okay, so NPHC is the National Panhellenic Council. It is the um, the over or like the governing body of all of the um, historically black uh, fraternities and sororities. So there are nine, um, often lovingly called the Divine Nine. Yeah, that's what the NPHC is. I was trying to remember this book. Oh, I think the book is called 
When and Where I Enter by Paula Giddings. And so she talks about like late 19th century and early 20th century uh, black women organizing. Mm -hmm. And and I I read it a long time ago, but I think she might talk about um, uh, specifically black sororities and the role that they might have played in um, like organizing. Yeah. So um, maybe you should actually talk about the history of these organizations. Um, well, I don't want to get nobody history wrong, but I know my own very well. But I, re- I just remember going to a talk by Nikki Giovanni, who is a Delta. And she talked about um, basically like the Delta's involvement in the suffrage movement um, and the AKs as well. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> that, I promise, this is why I don't like talking about Greek shit. Because everything I say, people be like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> no, bitch. I'm just talking. This is actual history. You can look the shit up. Like if y'all, if, if y'all didn't, <laughs> if y'all didn't want people to make cracks about the shit, you shouldn't have done it this way. But anyway, like, uh, and so like one thing that Nikki Giovanni was talking about, I, re- I just like distinctly remember this is uh, that the Zetas were the people who went door to door, like they were the door to door people. And the Deltas were doing much more, like, large-scale stuff, like, planning, like, meetups or, like, routes of, like, uh, protests and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that, um, maybe this was some shade because she is a Delta, but, like, the AKAs were okay with um, marching segregated. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Deltas, like, would not. And that that actually ended up being, like, a big enough schism for, like, them to break off and make Delta Sigma Theta mm-hmm. and no longer be, like, AKAs. Okay. Um... And so that, I mean, I don't know. That just felt like, wow, that's some like dope ass fucking history. Uh, yeah. That, and um, I don't know, just like if, if you learn any amount of like civil rights era history about black organizing, you're going to come across so many black Greeks. Uh, I just think the organizations were very alive and like not um, bought out or silenced in right. those times. And um, they really were spaces in which like leadership within like black movements were being made sure or at least recognized i should say because i think like it always comes from the roots i just think that you know people look to them to be leaders more than um and i mean for my organization i i will say that you know the history of us fighting racism on a predominantly white campus so for those of y'all who don't know sigma gamma rho is the only mphc sorority that was founded at a predominantly white university um i didn't know that yeah butler university in indianapolis indiana um and it was a teacher's college at the time uh and also indianapolis was the headquarters of the kkk at the time holy shit and so okay check this right my founders So, (laughs) so butler university would only allow admit 10 black students a year it was like a quota. Holy shit. So for the incoming first year class, 10 only. Um, and <laughs> my organization started with seven black women. So when I think about that, I'm like, y'all basically got every black woman on campus. That was, that <laughs> that was, was admitted that right, year. Right, pretty yeah. much. Like all y'all was like, well, it's the seven of us. Right. We're going to do this. What were those um, other three doing? Maybe they were men. <laughs> Maybe they were Maybe men. They were men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've I've like read history of the origins of my sorority and really been moved by it about them like 
you know, meeting in the basement of the library as, like, the Klan rallied on oh campus, God. you know? Or um, there's all kind of, I think, like, folklore and mythology around, like, the cane and all kind of uh-huh. stuff like that. But for whether it's true or not, just thinking about, like, black women walking with canes because it's like a... Um, a fashion statement, but also because of protection. Sure. Like, now I have a weapon, basically, that I right. can use to defend myself when I'm walking home on this racist-ass campus. Sure. Um, and, and knowing that, like, what, some of my founders, like, died poor because they believed in education and committed their lives to, like, educating in, in wherever they needed to teach, whether that was the streets or a classroom, and didn't even have headstones. and But they created this sisterhood that raised the money to like give them headstones and so like stuff i don't know like when it comes to organizing like shit like that felt important then and i wish it really would have kept that same energy sure i don't Um, think i don't think any of the orgs none of the nine now one have that energy at all today thank you for i I didn't know uh that history so i really appreciate Mm. you sharing that and i feel i feel like your answer was um I think we could leave it at that since mm-hmm. I'm not trying to have nobody part of the Oh, that bitch got a lot of, con- lot of opinions. <laughs> I just, I mean, at the end of the day, I just don't think you can be, you can put yourself on a pedestal and also be of the community and help and people. That, so, that's the black ass bottom line. Pretty much. All so. right. All right. Oh, shit. Actually, shit. Sean B. Scribe has three questions. Oh, I didn't see that one. I missed that. So, Sean B. Scribe also asks, what are your top black queer vacation destinations? <laughs> well. <laughs> okay, um, okay, you probably want to go to Thoughtland. <laughs> I was about to say, my bedroom is excellent. <laughs> oh, my God. No, actually, my <laughs> There's top- a meeting in your bedroom. Please don't be late. My uh, top black queer vacation destinations, Johannesburg. I would love to go I to know. Joburg. Mm-hmm. I need to go there. Like we go, I have a feeling we gonna go. We gonna I, go. I need to. I need to be in Joburg. Like I, my soul has to feel it. I have to see it. I would love. Yeah, love to go there. Yeah, and just like party with the free generation, you know, and like just back it up on somebody's daughter. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was just thinking about uh, events. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Back up on someone's daughter really took me. It's out. true. <laughs> um, I really loved the Black Weirdo parties. I don't know what happened to them or if they're gonna come back, but I think I'm pretty sure they were started by the Satisfaction, uh, Staz the Boss, and um. Sassy black cat. Uh, those parties were amazing. So I went to one in DC. I went to one in Toronto, and I went to one in Brooklyn. And though, like, it was just a room full of black and brown queers. Oh shit! And I got put on to so much new music at those parties. Like, yeah, if that's actually what Afropunk should be, is the black the widow black. parties. Uh, that is so funny. Yeah, it was a, it was like really amazing. Actually, the first one I went to, I met. Uh, that person, Norvish Jr., who was at the end of the first episode of Random Acts of Flyness. Huh. I, I was I like, what the Random Acts yet. Yeah. Um, I won't say anything. <laughs> but yeah, so, it's, yeah, it was just like, uh, it felt, it felt like those parties were just like a, 
a hub of black weirdos, you know, just like queer folk who kind of don't really fit into like the the mainstream, I guess, like queer Mm -hmm. spaces um, for racism or for whatever reason. Um, Yeah. And we just like all found each other at those parties and those were amazing. So if those ever come back, I definitely say hit one of them up. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. I was, I was about to say that was, I was finna say Yes. That. I went there so much in undergrad. I have like just incredible, incredible memories of being out and queer and black and loved in New Orleans. I've been to New Orleans a few times, I think. I guess I'm, yeah. Because I used to live in Mississippi and Texas. Huh. I forgot about that. I want to go as a adult. Yeah. Yeah. A gay one. <laughs> Um, you went. You went as a heterosexual adult. I went as a confused child. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like you. Yeah, you're good. You're picking like good black queer. I don't think mm-hmm. I have any good because you know I'm like so. Yes, Johannesburg. Yeah, you know I want to go to Cuba. Oh, oh yeah, for Cuba all the, right. for all the reasons. I've never been there, but that's uh, that's my top where I would like to go. So I, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I'm doing it aspirationally. Yeah. I haven't been to I was any trying black to think queer. about places that I've been that I'm like, black queer folks, you gotta go here. Oh yeah. Um I would say Oakland. Have I when oh. when I was in Oakland, I don't know if it's like every first Friday they do this or something, but it was just it was just like a street party for blocks and blocks and blocks. Oh fuck. And I just saw so many black queer folks and it was just like chill. You know, it was no spectacle. We was just out in our community and mm. it was I, like, I don't know if that was a one-time thing or if they do it every sure. first Friday or if that was just a regular <laughs> night for Oakland. <laughs> I feel like Oakland... I mean, I know that there's a lot of, you know, whatever, political, economic, social struggle yeah. stuff happening there, but it's it's a, it's one of these places where I really, like... Like, I've, I know that I shouldn't, but I really romanticize it. Because, mm-hmm. like, it's got, it's got all of that rich mm-hmm. history. It's like, you know, uh, black slash queer... Mm-hmm. POC mm-hmm. kind of I don't know she's got like a rich it seems like it's got a rich community yeah. out there yeah. and, and I mean that in a lot of different senses mm-hmm. I, f- I don't know I feel like if the places yes. I want to go are not I don't know if they're like specifically black queer but it's all for like the radical and all these so, other things that have to me like a lot of the, um, a lot of members from the Worker Center are from black we're from like Oaxaca Mexico so I'm like I really mm-hmm. want to go there mm-hmm just so it has like a it has a particular kind of I've never mm-hmm. been but just you know our members had a very particular have a very particular meaning um, for me so I want to go there I feel like I want to go to probably a lot of places oh um, Brazil really yeah hmm. it's like you know it's like a big black population there I know you like man well I just. I mean, I don't know nothing about Brazil. I've never heard anything out of Brazil that I'm like, I gotta go to Brazil as a black queer person. So, um, but maybe black queers is popping. And and ex of mine uh, did a lot of work. Um, what did she study? <laughs> like black queer, some kind of religion out there. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, she just she just ranted and raved about it. Candomblé. Mm-hmm. Oh Candomblé. yeah, yeah. That yeah. Um, it's a, it's like a close cousin to like Ifa. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So I'll read the next question. So Kida Key, is this you? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it might be Kida. 
Kita. That's Kita. It's Kita. Kita, Key, S, Money. What was your undergrad and master's degree in? And as a doctoral candidate, what will you officially be a doctor Being of? Being the baddest bitch there. <laughs> I know, right? I was about to say, I'm about to be a doctor of this dick. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, so, my undergrad, I went to Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. War Eagle. Uh, I wow. <laughs> I completed my undergrad in psychology, which might still be a shock to the records at <laughs> that <laughs> university because I was a physics and math major like up until two weeks before graduation because I had a scholarship for physics and math. And so I had to keep that as my major, even though I knew damn well, I knew full well that I wanted to be a therapist instead. But, you know, I had to work the system and keep my scholarship <laughs> So I just took one physics and one math class a semester to keep my scholarship and did all my psychology stuff. So my undergrad is officially in psychology and my master's degree is in clinical mental health counseling. Also from Auburn University because war motherfucking eagle. Uh, let it go. What you finna be a doctor <laughs> of officially? Officially, I finna be a doctor of marriage and family therapy. No conservatism. <laughs> You know, it just sounds real. <laughs> no. I, when I first heard yeah. about MFT, yeah. I was like, exactly. But no, it's really not. Um, and my dissertation, for those of you who are curious, maybe the new listeners are curious because I talked about I talked about my struggles with this on so many episodes. But I am exploring how queer women of color couples remain together while engaged in political activism or like political movements. Oh shit! It's gonna so, be yeah. so good. I can't wait to. Go to your defense. I can't wait either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Next question. I'll read it. This is going to be a question for you because I ain't got these skills. <laughs> so Rochelle Edits asks, can you talk about codependency? What it is? How it might come about? Or whatever you may know on it. I'd love to hear and learn. Sure, Rachel. No, I, can, I can see. I can just see the... Um, the citations going through your head was like, well, actually, if you go through, I, that there's varying thoughts about how to treat or oh think about gosh. codependency. So, um, so I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do, I was actually thinking about citing. So Dandy had me on the Do Tell podcast, and I did a whole episode with Dandy on codependency in lesbian relationships. So I will put the link to that in um, the show notes, but... Yes, just to let y'all know, because I feel like we've gotten this question about codependency other times yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so I did a whole episode on codependency with Dandy, and I had to go back and listen to it after I saw this, because I was like, hmm, I wonder if my thoughts have changed. They have not. So uh, just to give you, I guess, a little like overview or recap, um, I think that codependency was a uh, a <laughs> um, like byproduct of uh, patriarchy and paternalism in the mental health field. Uh, in the way that it's overwhelmingly talked about in uh, relation to women or like femme folks mm-hmm. that they're codependent. Um, and so essentially what codependency gets at is that you have a like addiction to people, basically. Mm. Like you you need someone in order to fulfill every basic need. And I think as a marriage and family therapist, I think that that's completely absurd because we all are relational beings and that we all depend on people. It may not be, like, intimately. Yeah. It might be, you know, like, 
the farmer who grows the food so that you're able to eat. We all depend on people in order to get all of our basic needs met. So I just think that that um, just my approach to therapy automatically thinks that codependency is kind of like ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But the similar thing that is that is talked about within marriage and family therapy is like enmeshment. Ah. Or like fusion. So it's like, and that's where the the boundaries between somebody else's emotional experiences are so connected to your own that you, there's no, there's no boundary anymore. Like there's no separation between somebody else's feelings and your own, somebody else's beliefs and your own, all, all that somebody else's politics and your own, you're enmeshed. Um, it's just exactly how the words sound. You just smush <laughs> together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and so while I, I think I can rock with that a little bit more because it gets at, we're all relational. Um, so, so whereas codependency pretty much sounds like you need to take a big ass knife and go, shah, shah, and just, <laughs> like you need to cut off from everybody else. Enmeshment and fusion, uh, make you think more about like putting up healthy boundaries. Ah. And so that's more my approach. Cause I'm a relational therapist. Yeah. And so. I think that there's a lot of inherently misogynistic and um, homophobic uh, things to all of those ideas, to codependency, to enmeshment, um, and to fusion. They're heteronormative, and and they're also like hella racist because we know like these um, these fields of study of studying human interaction were. Uh, initially started by like racist ass white dudes and and so like all of these theories we really have to like make them like culturally specific Mm -hmm. so now it's like everybody's going through and tuning up all this shit um to make it actually work and so um i think that a lot of times lesbians specifically think about like enmeshment or codependency like are we codependent on one another um i think i think we might be enmeshed because of the way that women are socialized. Mm. Like, we're, like our relationships just look different. And if you keep, like, measuring us by this, like, heteronormative stick, we're always going to look a mesh to you. Mm-hmm. Because these are two people who were socialized as women to, um, like, fill needs in their partner in a certain way. And it's just going to look different than a fucking straight relationship. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know if, if that was actually shorter, but <laughs> to me, it feels like the cliff notes about codependency. Okay. I think it's... Um, a uh, patriarchal construct. <laughs> <laughs> you just dropped that fucking mic. <laughs> All right. So the next set of questions. It's my turn, ain't it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my bad. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Okay. So N.M. King asks Imagine the queer black future. What do you want to see in the next 50 years? What black world do we imagine for our QTI pop? grandkids what queer black world oh yeah imagine? sorry wow that's a motherfucking question we probably should save that till the end i know let's come back to that i've i've i feel like i see i don't oh gosh there's so much so let's just answer it now yeah so the first thing i see is um I, the first thing i pictured was like clothing and just like wearing whatever the fuck you want, like the fashion in two thousand and sixty eight is gonna be fucking bananas. <laughs> Probably, like, no, like yeah. literal banana peels. <laughs> that's, that's what we will be wearing. <laughs> I cannot wait to see the hairstyles. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about the hair. I just might have to shave my locks in preparation. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I can do all the hairstyles. You gonna start, that the kids are gonna come. You're up gonna with. start in 25 years from so like 2000. What? <laughs> 43, you're going to be like, bitch, I'm cutting it off. I got to get started. <laughs> you see these kids out here with these? <laughs> we, we, you, you had to stop and not finish the sentence because you don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know what it's going to be called. So we got faux locks. We're we going to have future locks. We, right. <laughs> or, you, I got the zine on. You know, they're like, moon dust locks. <laughs> yeah, the moon you dust. Like, bitch, I got drops to Jupiter in my locks, bitch. I know what you got. Damn it. I, I, I went and got the Neptunes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to see that. Like, the way... I mean, I think queer queer folks since the beginning of the time have, like, pushed, you know, fashion and style and what we consider, um, you know, all that stuff to be. And I just can't wait to see how far it gets in, in 50 years. Yeah, and then, you know, you was talking about me switching my hair up all the time. I, I worry every time I do. It's like how it's going to be received. Um, I look forward to a day where, like, the queer kids don't yeah. have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, where I see it going so quickly in front of my eyes is there isn't such a big deal about, like, boxes and binaries. So, like, gender is, like, whatever your gender is today, that's what we're going to rock with. Yeah. And the same with sexuality. Like, I think kids just understand that the shit is fluid. Yeah. It's like... I want that, but I want that to be, like, freeing, not so much, like, fuck the people who still identify as women and lesbian. Yeah. You know what I I mean by that? Like, because it's still a valid identity. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah. I can't wait to see uh, the day that we no longer... Have these stupid stud for stud, femme for femme conversations. That's one of the questions. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. Um, <laughs> oh, damn. damn. I, I did not mean Well, we just to, lost that listener. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I did not, I, I didn't remember that that was a question. And I really am not sending shots at anybody. It's just... The, ever since I remember being a baby, baby gay, that has been, like, a conversation. And there are so many fucking YouTube videos about this shit. And I'm just like, how many years are we going to talk about this? Yeah. It is not a bit... I, I really don't understand. Uh, I feel like I'm answering that question now. But, yeah. Um, so, my, my queer black future... I can't wait to see what relationships look like in the queer black future. Oh, girl. It's just... Yeah. We probably not going to... I was going to say we're probably not even going to be able to imagine them, but 50 years is actually not. It's not that long. It's not that long away. I just am really looking forward to the triads and the truples and the uh, triangles. And maybe hopefully in 50 years, you will either be with them or you will have left (laughs) Lena and her boo alone. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Um, Just let me in. (laughs) No. (laughs) Go home, Roger. (laughs) The... So, y'all know I always got my organizing hat on. I was just listening to this talk <laughs> with uh, Max Elbaum and Alicia Garza. So, who the fuck is Max Elbaum? He wrote this book called Revolution in the Air. Marx, no, Lenin, Mao, and Che. So, he was a part of the movements in the, um, the 60s, like the 1968. And so, he's in conversation with Alicia Garza, you know, one of the founders of uh, BLM. BLM. And so something that she said in this uh, conversation with him 
that I really appreciated. And so she wrote a foreword, too, because they re-released um, his book this year because it's the 50th anniversary of, you know, the revolutions and uprisings of 1968. And so she just said, in terms of movements, um, so she says that she just hopes that movements are confronted with new sets of mistakes mm. and new sets mm-hmm. of questions. So she was like, you know, I don't always want to be like trying to grapple with like you know the right. the race versus you know yeah. the so called race versus class debate yeah. on the left. So she was like, I would just like for us to make some gains mm. to the point where we're grappling with new questions. So hopefully there's some like really big victories that you know that movements for like improving people's lives, um, specifically the you know mm-hmm. oppressed people like that that would be good. Yeah. And, yes. I, I mean, I just thought of like like black trans women. Like hopefully. Yes. Hopefully, like saying stop killing black trans women won't even be a thing in fifty years. Like, I mean, like, to connect the two questions, like, the, hopefully that would be such a horrific, yeah, period of a history that our grandkids would be like, I cannot, I can't believe, believe yeah, that that's how yeah. black trans women were treated. Yeah, like we, like I hope to one day be talking to my grandkids and they'd be like. You kind of like that I talk to my grandparents about like hoses being turned yeah. on them. Like I hope to one day be able to talk to my grandkids about like, yes, that, you know, it was like horrific that right. it, every fucking week we were hearing about a black trans woman yeah. that's been murdered and that that's just not a thing anymore. Sure. Um, I guess the last thing to say, I mean, the question of 50 years, like the elephant in the room is just like, we are really on the verge of ecological devastation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, something really has to be done. Hopefully yeah. that, you know, a really good radical anti-capitalist intersectional environmental movement mm-hmm. can fucking save the planet. Right. Because yeah. it's like, it's, it's really finna be do or die. Right. Um, so... Didn't mean to get us on that dour <laughs> note there, but, you know, sometimes you got to call a thing a thing. And we'll be cute, you know. <laughs> As the world and works. We'll, and we'll have, like, a lesbian dating app that's, like, actually bomb, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. On Jupiter. So, LaToya asks, would you mind discussing ways of coming out, especially at an older age? You find you a baddie, you clink, clink, lock it down, and there you go. There's so much you have to do before you get to that point. How? Because how do you, you can't just be like, I'm I'm a homosexual, and I want you to be a part of my homosexual <laughs> partnership. You're mine, clink, clink, let's go. That's not how that works. <laughs> well, that's kind of how my coming out <laughs> Well, you're... A cut above. I obviously. was like, uh, I I noticed that um, you were looking, looking homosexually, <laughs> and here I am, homosexual. <laughs> Let us homosexualize together. Yeah, they lesbian in together. That's pretty much. <laughs> that's pretty much how I came out. Um, so ways of coming out at an older age. I think at an uh, the reason why I said that is like at an older age you don't really have like those well hopefully you don't have like those concerns of like coming out um, when you're young of like parental rejection or, or like in threats of being kicked out of the yeah. home and so your your housing is stable hopefully I know you know like sure. because of the way poverty set up um, maybe not for everybody but. You don't have to worry about being put out of where you live or, like, your ability to, like, eat the next day because yeah. of coming out. 
like finding your place within like work environments that are also safe so that you can like be out if you need to at work. Um, and so I just think you have a lot more options when you're older coming out. I mean, what are we talking about older? What is older? 25, 45, 65? Well, that's another thing. Um, I got a, a message on Tumblr a while back about being an older uh, person coming out. And sh- she was like 27. Yeah. And that's actually average age for we black women to come out. Like yeah. yeah. Oh, you've said this it's, before. Yeah. From 25 to 27 is actually the average. It might be a little lower now because uh, like this is sure. this was like six years ago. This study was done. But 25 to 27 is the age range for black women coming out. And it totally makes sense to me. Like... Um, my, like my mama used to say when I was little, you, uh, you're a grown ass woman now. So like yeah. in your grown ass woman years is when you're actually like naming and claiming sure. those identities. And I think people feel like they owe coming out and doing stuff now because the kids are. That's so, what I like, was literally just about to the say. The kids fucking know. But if y'all think about it, we didn't have these things when we were yeah. their age. Yeah. So we just have more access to them and they have more access to us to like see it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like. Like, people are queer at the same rates. It's just that we hear of them more now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. What would you think of as older coming out? I don't... So, I, when I think... Mm, I thought I'm going to get in trouble. I think, like, 45 that's what I. Marriage. That's what I... Yeah. Right. So, yeah, like, a, I guess a, a quote-unquote late in life. Yeah. Lesbian. Like, yeah, I was married to somebody for 25 years. Exactly. Or not even married to, like, a dude. But, um... You know, it's just like, okay, like, I'm like, yeah, 40, 45, yeah. 50. I'm like, oh. I'm gay. Yeah. I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I always bring it back to gay because that's my identity. But even, like, 40, 45 and being like, uh, my gender isn't what sure, I'm expecting sure. it to be all this time. Non-binary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Finding the language for that shit yeah. just now. Yeah. Ways of coming. I guess, and the other question is, like, coming out to who? That's what... It's my question. Because it's like, it's like you try- ways. You just you just grab a baddie and date them. <laughs> that is, stop talking. <laughs> you're just going to be censored. And not that your uh, identity has to be wrapped up in the practice of it. But like being out at an older age, I just feel like you are, you like you're okay. You said yeah. you good. So as far as like anybody finding out, I mean, I think... I'm not giving helpful answers. I think the only... I've kind of... I'm just like, just do it. Like, the Nike. Okay. (laughs) Not that we... uh, That's another conversation. We're not talking about no fucking Nike. Um, I mean, I feel like the kind of the broad, maybe unnecessarily unhelpful general advice is to just try to find out where the people are. The people that... The other queer people that you want to be around. That that feels like the... um, That actually feels more important to me than trying Debating. to come out to like, well, you always think about bitches, but I was, I was, wow, of, you make me sound so fucked out. <laughs> it's the truth, but the point I was saying, you know, was these like, people with relationship privilege. Okay, don't, like, alrighty, let's just stop. <laughs> what I was trying to say was, I think trying to find other uh, queer people who you can build community with feels more, more important, important than it trying is. to come out to straight people or come right. out to people in your life or letting people know that you're, you're right. Queer. I think once you have that community and once that support, you that so other right. thing you becomes are a little so right. bit easier. There we go. Okay. See why Nikita's here? <laughs> this, is, this is an actual answer to the question. And then grab a baddie <laughs> off the street. What is this? This is 1748? <laughs> Young Glass, come here. <laughs> 
No, but this is an actual answer, right? <laughs> like, um, you're coming into your queerness at what you consider to be older. Yeah. Get in community. Like, find where yeah. the people are and connect. Because how, who, however you're trying to explain yourself to, like, cishets, you you need to have other queer people to talk to that yeah. shit. To talk to about that shit. Yeah. You want to be where the people are. Yes. So... Wow, this is where mm. we're going to get into the question. Uh, you so want to read that shit? Go sure. ahead, read it. Fuck you. In King 1005 asks, what are your views on top, bottom, and butch femme discourse among women who love women? Smiley face. I like how they did it. The, the, they did that old school. Yeah. The way that I, do. <laughs> I, dig, I dig that shit. Um, I really don't have any I, views I don't have it. any views <laughs> That's, that's my views. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I feel like somebody asked us this before. Like, uh, what do you think about stutter or stutter? We're like, we, we fuck support it. it. Exactly. Yeah, we don't... support it. I don't understand. I don't, I mean, it. I will never forget this Facebook uh, status or like tweet that I saw or something. And it was about, um, it was about like uh, marriage equality. And it was, like, telling somebody that they can't get married because you don't agree with, like, gay marriage is, like, telling somebody in line in front of you at Subway that they can't get tomatoes on their sandwich because <laughs> yeah. you don't like them. And that's exactly how I feel about any kind of relationship configuration and gender presentation that yeah. you want to have or be in. I I have no <laughs> no right to tell somebody what kind of relationships they can and can't be in. I feel like we might have talked about this on our Lesbian Visibility Day, the L Words episode. Mm. I can't recall, but I don't, and I think I don't have, and I don't have anything interesting. I don't have that yeah. anybody that hasn't already b- been, been said, said about yeah. butch fam, masculine fam. Like I don't know. It does like are you yeah. fucking or not? You happy? <laughs> I mean that's that's really kind. Of, Is it consensual? Is it healthy? Is it healthy and is it good? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, Top, too. bottom, side to side, yeah. diagonal, up, down. <laughs> Make you go left, right, up, down. Got you standing round and round. Oh, oh. To quote is that Whitney. The hokey pokey? Oh. No. Does this person make you feel like a million dollar bill? So, speaking of Whitney, we also got a question from Queen oh, about Whitney. You yeah. like how I did that segue? It's like, I thought you practiced for this episode. I really didn't. I was just really excited about the um, questions. The questions. Um, uh, so, somebody had um, like tweeted about like Whitney and Robin's relationship. Right. Potential romantic relationship. Pret- yeah. They live together for six years. I mean, Robin is fine. Can we just talk fine about that? Shit. Can we talk about how fine Robin is? <laughs> I was like, whoa. I watched that video and like had to I turned to the nearest person and was like, Do you see how fine? <laughs> Do you see this fine ass woman? Montenegro, you you are off task. <laughs> I just Woo Lord, she's fine. So I'm off task. I don't remember what the what we're, we were pulling up Queen's question. Oh, I know what the question is. So the question. So somebody had posted this thread, you know, trying yeah. to put all these pieces together to say that Whitney Houston and Robin Crawford were in a relationship. Yes. Somebody retweeted the mm-hmm. the thread with the comments, mm-hmm. basically saying that 
and I've seen other people say it, where it's not appropriate to try to Queer. claim somebody's yeah. sexuality for somebody who's no longer with us. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, Queen wanted to hear our thoughts about that. Let me read the... So, yeah. let me just read what the person said. So, they said, uh, the name is CB3. We cannot queer the past. We have to stop doing this. Whitney never told us she was bisexual, so we have no right to say and give voice to things that people died wrestling, trying to get their minds around or still cope with. So, one of... I, I guess one of the wins of... Um, our struggles is that we have a lot more language than we did back then. Sure. So I've I've I went through that thread one because Robin's fine as shit, and also because like I love Whitney. I grew up with Whitney. Same. Um, and so like reading through it, uh, and then I also wonder, you know, why she resonated so much with all our queer black asses. But never mind. I'm going back to the topic. Uh, and interviewers would ask Whitney if she was gay, and I just think if she was with us today. Interviewers would have the language to ask her if she was queer, if she was pansexual, if she was bisexual, mm. and that she would have been able to like un- understand herself um, outside of this binary of gay or straight. Right. Um, and so, like that felt important to me. Like, like we're missing that part of how far. Like, even to say we can't queer history. Like, like that's a that's a win of something. So, a couple of things. I guess to kind of like, so I the thing I was thinking about this uh, ironically in my closet while I was trying to find something to wear. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, what? So, I mean, I think you're getting at it, but the thing is, God damn, Robin's fine. She's okay. so fine for no reason. <laughs> Just too fine. I I feel like she's so fine that I wish I was straight so I could see her and be like, oh my god, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the the question so the first question I have is I think it's important to try to I'm not going to get to the right or wrong whether people should be doing this or not mm-hmm. what is compelling people to want to, to claim, claim yeah. specifically Whitney Houston yeah. as queer yeah. and I think it's like I mean you just said it for the, all the reasons not not just because of her um, impeccable almost unparalleled musical ability mm-hmm. Right, specifically as this black woman, but it's like well, you know we love Nippy, yeah. and it's like, and I think that it's there, there's just people. I mean, first of all, I mean the other thing is like you know people love a scandal, mm-hmm. you know people love mm-hmm. salacious and titillating. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. that piece, uh, but I also feel like there's something in us that it's like it, it would just really mean something. It would mean so much for yeah. Whitney Houston yeah. to be queer, right? That's mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. yet going to get into whether you know, we should do this, whether it's, you know, appropriate to do that or not. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of, um, I was listening to, um, I started listening to this talk, um, about, uh, Malcolm X. And I remember when Manning Marable's book came out and there was talk that he might have been gay or engaged in some, some kind of homosexual activity. There was, so there were some people that were saying, um, they don't believe that, but because, and they said that this was a problem writ large with Manning Marable's book, that it just wasn't a well-evidenced, well-sourced book, mm-hmm. right? And so that, mm-hmm. so that particular claim wasn't well-sourced along with other things in the book. Um, and I remember there was like a lot of black radicals that were, they were like, there's no evidence to support that. But it was, mm-hmm. I was like, there's, there's, I'm like, you're not just mad about the, about bad scholarship. Yeah. I'm like, this is, some of it is just homophobia. <laughs> homophobia yeah. And it was like, 
why would we want somebody like what would it mean mm-hmm. whether whether we put a name to that identity or not but what would it mean for mm-hmm. somebody like this who means so much mm-hmm. what is his name what who Ossie Davis called our black shining prince to potentially have been in the broad sense some kind of queer, queer so yeah. I feel like that is like the that's a, that feels like the important starting yeah. place for me but I guess the other thing that I was thinking about is and you talked about his, so on the one hand, I like I think I do agree, right? So how can you name somebody who never had the opportunity, safety, or whatever to name themselves? I get that, but I also feel like the this is what his this is what we do this with history. His, that's what we always excavate right. the the right. inner lives yeah. of our ancestors, and we always go back and do that, like right. name things that weren't named that when when they fucking that, that's, that's like the that's yeah that's that's kind of what history is, exactly. right? I mean, we go back and say. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, some, I guess people do argue this, but it's like, I mean, and, and I know that it's different, so it's not like a, an easy or neat comparison, but why go back and call Sojourner Truth a feminist if that's yeah, not what she identified? Right. Or put her in the pantheon or the tradition, yeah. not the pantheon, but the tradition of black feminism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, like, I that, agree. again, that's why we, we excavate the, yeah. the lives mm-hmm. of people. That, that, that is the work yeah. um, or, of history. Going back to another question we had about, uh, Black Greek letter organizations, they love to give somebody an honorary membership after they died. Like, what is the importance of doing... They didn't choose to join your organization. You, right. you like, perusing the graveyard for, like, notable people. I didn't even like, think we, about that, yeah. We always do this. This, like, reaching back. It's like the Sankofa bird, right? Like, right, reaching right, back right. to know where we're going. Like, I feel like it's only uh, when it comes to queerness that people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's right. And I, I guess I don't want to... I mean, I feel it's it's tricky because it's like on some level, it's like it really is, you know, desire, love, mm-hmm. relationships. It really is a part of like the a really deep and intimate. And I I, I hesitate to use the word like a private part mm-hmm. of one's life, but it's also like I've said this, you know, and I know that I'm just saying this about me, but and I've said this on private episodes, but it's like. To know how someone identifies or who they've been in a relationship is actually not to yeah. like that doesn't actually tell you Don't a tell lot, shit. yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That, but you know, I mean, and I know that people can come to that, yeah, um, conversation and come. They have different thoughts on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I guess, I'm also wondering if it was like, if it's because like it feels too soon for like mm. Whitney hasn't been like yeah. if this if somebody would have found this out and put this out. You know, to go back to the earlier question, we would find this out 50 years in, from now. In the black queer future. Right. That we would have like, mm-hmm. oh shit, nip it might have yeah, been gay. Yeah. Like that would have But like Robin is still alive. She right. married to a woman. And uh Whitney passed what yeah. like was that five, six mm-hmm, years ago? So it's mm-hmm. still it still particularly maybe feels fresh. And maybe it feels like some for lack of a better word, or to be a little agitational, maybe it's like this arbitrary like timeline, like deadline doesn't it doesn't it feels too soon. To do that, because it's like we do that all the time, yeah. going back to the twentieth century, yeah. and um, like how do we? Because mm-hmm. people, I mean, I, I feel like I for the longest, I don't know if it's true, and I read or like Zora Neale Hurston was always yeah. put in like a queer, yeah, yeah. sort mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm like, I don't think she yeah. identified that way, but it's like again, you know, she yeah. uh, was alive in the you know the twentieth century, mm-hmm. like early, you know, even Lorraine Hansberry, right? Like, uh, or I was um, thinking about um, Ma Rainey and like all these like. Uh, all these older blues and jazz like innovators that probably damn sure didn't use words like bisexual in the 1920s. Right, right, right. uh, 
that that's what we name them now, sure. and that's what we understand their lives to have, sure. have been. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Queen, for the question. Thanks, Queen. Okay, so the next question is in Wazine, uh, favorite thing to eat slash cook. Well, I am so. Why did y'all ask this question? I feel like I'm going to end up punching Nikita in the face by the end of it. And that means you'll just be robbed of knowing some really delicious and <laughs> yummy. She thinks she's a chef. Whatever. I, you know, I do things in the kitchen. You know. She be Instagramming her dishes. Hashtag y'all. move over Martha. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that really your hashtag? Sometimes I put that when I make a nice meal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, so follow her at Afro Blazing Guns. Yeah, pow, pow. you can see some really divine meals. Um, it's just some dry ass vegetables. There, they are. <laughs> there is nothing in my life that is dry. Okay, <laughs> I take great offense to that. Okay, so I've, I feel like I have a lot to say about cooking, oh, especially especially you caught me on a very good week. I so the the difficult thing honestly about living by yourself is that you are the person who's responsible for <laughs> nourishing yourself. Yeah. And I feel like especially as somebody who works a lot it's just so easy it's for me. It's a rip off of sing- being single and living single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very easy to just, you know, you'd be like, well, either you know to spend far too much money eating out, mm-hmm. eating poorly or you'd be like, well, you know, tonight I'm gonna have my, you know, I'm gonna have a pack of ramen. <laughs> and I realized it's like I really like to eat things that taste good. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, let me try. Let me try different recipes, different meals. So, um, oh my god, just what did I make the other day? The other day I, I made. I don't. Get, I don't know. Anyway, I never get any. My so here's some of my favorite things. I really dig eggplant parmesan. Bitch, you had some of that. It was good. I've known Nikita for six years. But I didn't always <laughs> I cook feel like, like I'm this. testifying right now. I have known Nikita for six uh-uh. years. She she I know have me. I have ate one dish that she's prepared. Anyway. Out of hundreds. Anyway. So I made eggplant parmesan. That was that's good. And I made the saucy saucy. Salsa, creamy salsa chicken. And oh my god, I just need to say this because I have no place else to share it. It was like a revelation. Two important revelations I had. So I'm normally so bad at cooking chicken breast. Like, it's like you don't want, you know, the shit, you know, I it's basically burned. Because I'm like, well, I can't be eating pink chicken. But what I did this time was I cut the chicken breast in half and it came out perfectly. It was too thick. I didn't realize that. So I, like, browned it evenly on each side for, like, seven minutes. And it was so... You know, I threw my good seasonings on it. It was so fucking good. So that, and I really, I don't know, Montanique is going to uh, trash me for it, but I made this also, what is it? A salsa verde chicken in a crock pot. Oh, I love a crock pot meal, especially up here in upstate New York where it's yeah, real cold, so cold and it's just real, you know, chop, 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 throw it in the pot, it's done. So. Whatever queso fresco is. I, I, use it, I use it. I use, I use it. I use queso fresco. I changed a lot. her name to that in my phone right. for a short and period. And she had our friends calling me queso fresco. It was actually yeah. kind of ridiculous. I food bully her. Now she does. Because she's just a chef. And I'm like, when the fuck do you have time to be making whole ass like designer meals? Uh, Instagrammable meals. I'd be up late. Anyway, um, I love a good pancake. 
Every, every time I talk to money, she's about to eat. She like, oh, you know, about to make a pancake. It could be at 7 a.m. It could be at 11 a.m. It could be at 3 p.m. It could be at 11 p.m. The bitch is making a pancake. I make really good pancakes, first of all. Okay? And I make, like, varieties. It's not like I'm eating a same-ass, plain-ass pancake. First of all, I cut dairy out of my life completely. This year. Well, so, all of 2018 uh-uh. pretty much has been dairy-free. Um, so, now I make vegan pancakes, which are delish. I have some almond flour and some coconut pl- flour uh, that I sort of like whip up on. Up I didn't know there. you was doing it like that. Yes. What you think? I'd just be getting a box of Bisquick and adding water and making pancakes? I don't know. No. Also... Um, shout out to the homie Philandy because she taught me this technique of like, so you, you make your, um, like batter with the, uh, flour and the almond uh, milk and all that stuff. But then you add a little bit of that, um, and blend in a banana. And so the banana flavors it, but also like works as a binder. So you don't have to use eggs. Oh, so delish. Sometimes when I'm feeling fancy, I do like half flour and half oatmeal because it makes it heavier. It's a more like filling. Yeah, more filling. Um, I have like the all natural, the sugar free um, syrups now. You know, we upstate, so the maple syrup is so good. Oh my my gosh. And I keep fruit in my house. I love fruit. um, I'm a mango loving bitch. Oh yeah. Oh, you don't. You can't have a mango around Nikita. Man, it's really like a <laughs> pornographic experience for me and the mango. I think. Um, I for me it's like anything sweet. I love sweets. I'm an old lady. I, just, I know. I can't do sweets. Don't do the sweetest I'll do is like a brand muffin. That <laughs> night after we finished recording, you were like, "I need me a brand muffin." I was like, "Something's wrong with you." <laughs> I, there's no such thing as too sweet for me. Oh, yeah. I, I can't oh, do too sweet. God, I love sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't mention zoodles. Zucchini noodles. I love zoodles. Okay. So, the next question <laughs> is from We See You Sis podcast, formerly Thick Roots podcast. Yes. Thank you. I just need to know about your personal style. What inspires you? I think we talk about fashion <laughs> a lot on here. We do. I, you know... Grandpa, dad on the go is really me. With a black queer twist. (laughs) Why is that so funny? You just said it so like, like, yeah. It's it's it. Grandpa, dad on the Sometimes I see like these raggedy like middle aged white men. I'm like, I could rock that shit so much better. You really do. I feel like you do. That's that's your. <laughs> you take like the like. I don't know if it's hipster, but it's like dude broy hipster like slash dad look, and you're like, I'm a freak that. And then, right, like, that's what I do. You do. Uh, but <laughs> I I have learned and. You know, I have learned that there's nobody that can rock cargo shorts. <laughs> I, I have indeed left those alone. We are not friends. We don't know none of the same people. They did nothing for you, friend. No. Um, I think my style is inspired by... It's funny, because you said this about me during the, um, the Queer Walk of the Week segment. It's like, my style directly comes from 
being a black girl who grew up in Queens and then moving to Alabama. <laughs> like, I think those are my style influences. Uh, what I took from, I guess, like, growing up in New York was... I guess, like, the boldness of, like, oh making my God, that a is statement a, with that's a perfect what you way, wear. Yeah, like, what you wear is is a is a reflection of like your personality. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the whole East Coast kind of does that, but New York is just like the king of it. Um we do it the best. Uh and just like, yeah, making sure that everything everything in my wardrobe says something about like me or a part of my personality. And then when I moved to Alabama, southern fashion is just so uh like functional but uh cute at the same time so it's like you put you put outfits together for a reason in the south yes and i and i just i you know i learned that from being there because i did not even think about that as being a regionally specific thing because i mean i just remember my friends from undergrad we'd be like oh we go into the like game what are we wearing i still do that yeah i bought a whole ass outfit for that janet jackson concert exactly i think we did that for like holidays in new york like oh it's easter then you know um but on the day-to-day it's not like oh girl you going to so-and-so house yeah what we gonna wear yeah like what you know so yeah, it's like situational style and just like blend and also matching. I feel like matching was a thing. I, I still make fun of my sister Shara about this because it has to be the same shade of the color. Ooh, yeah, throughout the outfit, <laughs> like, and I I really feel like I learned that in the South as well because yes. it's a lot more. I talk a lot about power, power clashing. It's a lot more of that in like in New York. Yeah, it's like. Um, coordinate, not so much match match. Right, right, right. But in the South, it's like it got to be the same periwinkle. That was <laughs> that is so fucking true. Yeah, that is so true. So, or like the burnt orange. That the first time I ever heard that was in Asheville, Alabama, because <laughs> this old man was like, he was at the gas station. I remember this so clearly. And um, this this lady was like, oh, I like that. Uh, that color, he said, burn orange. <laughs> He's like, didn't miss a beat in his whole outfit. Because, because he wasn't going to do burnt orange and then like regular fruit orange. Right, right, right. It had, it had to be in sync. The whole outfit, the same shade. That so. is so, oh my God. I would go mm-hmm. to like these concerts, you know, with like these like older R&B and niggas would have the same written, same red. Yeah. Down, yeah. yeah. I'm like, how do you Shirt, even find pants, it? Yeah, shoes, hat. What? What is that? Oh, wipe me down. Shoulders, chest, pants, pants shoes. shoes, all the same color. Yeah. I'm like, how did you even match that? Did you buy all that together? <laughs> or I really believe that people in the south like just buy the outfit white and then like go get it all dyed the same. Maybe. That's because it's too. It's too perfect. It's too perfect. It's, too perfect. it's the exact same shade. So yeah, that's my style inspiration. Those are our style inspirations. Like the places I I came into like growth, basically. All right. So those um, the next few questions uh, came from people submitting to queerwalkpod at gmail dot com. So shout out to them. Thank you. So, uh, we can't read the whole um, <laughs> email, but we just kind of want to give, like, a gist of it. So, and y'all didn't say if we could use y'all's names. And so, as we always do, we're going to give y'all um, 
what do you call it? Pseudonyms. Pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say synonyms. I'm really fucking up tonight. <laughs> um, yes, we're going to give y'all pseudonyms. Oh, let's give them all names of the Golden Girls. Blanche. So Blanche says, Devereaux writes. <laughs> Blanche is a 27-year-old black woman living in a very white city. Um, it's so funny. They say, based on listening to you, I would assume this city is very similar <laughs> to Syracuse. <laughs> um, and they didn't come up till they were 26. So they have two questions. The first one is, how do you become more comfortable slash confident in your gayness? That's a good question. And then um, the second, so no, I want to, let me, let me read this. So they say, the queer spaces out here are extremely white and it makes me uncomfortable. So I don't spend um, a lot of time with other gay folks and all the PLC queer folks I know have moved out of state. So, Same. so the second question is, um, can you all give your opinion on the following? Um, when I'm talking about the struggles of being queer, I feel uncomfortable trying to claim that struggle. So I always speak about it as though I'm speaking of someone else's experience. Like instead of saying we, I'll say they. Uh, because I didn't really have external problems with people um, about being gay, I don't feel like it's a struggle I can claim, if that makes sense. I feel very, um, I think it's not a part of the LGBT plus community, even though I identify as gay. So can we start with that bottom one first? Go ahead. So I think it's funny that you say that you don't feel comfortable claiming the struggle, and yet you talk about how difficult it yeah. is finding community. Yeah. That, that is the not a coincidence. Yeah. Because you are, in fact, gay mm-hmm. so um and i guess i guess the question the way that we always do uh it's, which is our part of our pedagogical style here is we throw questions back to you yeah. what do you think is the quintessential gay struggle or gay experience that you have that had. you don't feel like yeah. you're a part of it and the kind of how i feel about it is if you gay and you whatever whatever your life experiences are those are gay experiences. Yeah. Those are gay yeah. life experiences. Because you as a person, um, specifically a black uh black gay woman. Mm-hmm. It yeah. Those those are those mm-hmm. are those are yeah. queer or gay experiences. I mean, um Blanche Devereaux started the question about how to become more comfortable in your gayness. That is a, a queer struggle. Yes. Like having to become comfortable with a part of your identity right. is a product of oppression. Right. And so you've experienced that. Yeah. Uh, and that's why you're like asking about right. becoming more comfortable with it. I mean, I think, yeah. And I'm, and I'm wondering, kind of going back to our earlier question, because they say that they didn't come out until 26. And mm-hmm. it's like, maybe there's just some things that you um, have seen or heard, read about. Or maybe people who are, you know, who are in your community that you know have experienced certain kind of things, especially coming out younger. Mm-hmm. And maybe those are just not things that you're like yeah. you're going to experience because you came out mm-hmm. at twenty. And that's okay. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you? How did you become more com- comfortable and confident in your gayness? Uh, oddly enough. Finding community. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I say that so much, people gonna start rolling their eyes when I be like, community. Yeah. But community is the fucking answer. It like, really I don't, is. I mean, I don't, yeah. I started going to uh, these parties that were started by uh, Vanity Jasmine Mac, uh, and they were called T Tuesdays, and it was the Mac family, and uh, 
that's yeah that's how i started to be to become more confident in my gayness like actually going and seeing other gay black folks actually being in community with people right like sitting in my house overthinking the shit it ca- okay okay i i remember saying to myself 10th grade year that i was attracted to girls but that nobody, I didn't know anybody who did that. So it just wasn't okay. And shut myself down 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, um, first, first year of college, sophomore year of college. And I was just tired of that shit by junior year. Like, I was tired of being shut down. I'm going to just keep my head down, get my degree. Or, ooh, uh, I, ain't he cute? Ain't he cute? Right. And like, try, trying to make heterosexuality work. Sure. Yeah. Like, I was just so sick of that. And... Because I was actually trying to play that game, I was in a lot of straight spaces. And the minute I got sick of playing that game, I put myself into queer communities, started going to um, Spectrum Alliance meetings, which were hella white, like so white. But it, it, it introduced me to like the possibility of actually finding folks who were queer and like living, if that makes sense, just right. like doing regular shit. Like you going grocery shopping and you gay. Like I, I know that sounds ridiculous now, but as a like eighteen, nineteen year old, it was like really important sure. to me. And so when Vanity started doing Tea Tuesdays, like it just blew the top off of my like sure. gay world. Yeah, because she got together all of the queer people of color from Tuskegee, Montgomery, and Auburn, and we would all come together. I met my first girlfriend there. I like, you know, we just like were a people. We yeah. were a people. And that that made me comfortable. Like seeing my people, seeing sure. myself reflected yeah. in others. And others. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. What you do? I, I, I besides Dietrich calling you out. I don't know how I I don't I feel like it's kind of hmm. I think it was internal for you. So I yeah. think it's really reflective of our different personalities. Like for me, I was like, I had to be out with the people. But I think for you, it was like a, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you talking about like the minute you started to change the way you dressed. Yeah. As like that being like a queer moment of truth yeah. for you. Cutting your hair. Yeah. That being- yeah. The, I think about, this quote from this scholar, his name is his academic Fred Moten, and he does a lot of stuff around um, just like black politics and uh, just a lot of stuff and research around black folks. And I watched this talk. I'm totally not doing his work justice, but I watched this talk that he gave, and one of the quotes that that I'm reminded of from that I think about often, he says, the only way to protect joy is by practicing it. And I I feel like that was, um, so it's like those things that like, those were like practices of me being more comfortable with me. Right. And just trying to do that on like a regular basis. And then of course, you know, not beating yourself up, um, when you don't. So like they Morton? Fred Moten, M O T E N. And so like if the so Blanche in uh her email says, um, I've noticed when the opportunity for me uh comes up for people to correct me about whether I'm gay or not, she's like to make it clear that I'm gay, um, I get kind of stuck or freeze up. 
So, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but, like, you should just practice saying for yourself, yeah. like, in the mirror, what, what is, like, how would I interject? I literally did that. Like, I stood in the mirror and just, like, kept saying, like, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay. Right. <laughs> I'm gay. Like, different, you know? Like, got used to it. Why are you saying, like, a white newscaster? What was that going to do for you? <laughs> this week on I'm Gay. I'm gay. Back to you, Jill. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm even thinking about, like, spaces like Fusion. Oh, where, my God. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just really got comfortable saying, like, I'm a lesbian. I'm gay. Yeah. Just saying it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, so I think that those are the things that you can do. Like, because it's like, it takes time. And mm-hmm. I know it's difficult to find community. But to be quite honest, I was, um, me and the Bay were talking the other day and we were just laughing, um, just thinking about a lot of our friends. Because I was like, it sometimes it feels like the the homosexual agenda has just ripped through. <laughs> Our friend group, and so I feel like um, I don't know. It's that I don't think that that is um, like just living in the world and just like having people mm-hmm. who are either super queer friendly mm-hmm. or queer themselves. It, it just became my normal. Yeah, I yeah. Think that, and like it was so funny because this one time I was talking to my mom about one of my friends. And I was like, "Yeah, you like." Um, she and her uh, partner, and she's like, oh, she a lesbian? I was like, no. She's like, oh, it's a man? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She's like, you know, you just, so she's like, oh. She's like, oh. She's just like, bitch, yeah. you got straight friends? Yeah. <laughs> I like that, too, of, like, the the um, the um shaking up of the status quo. Because, like, when I talk to my mom and I be like, and they said, she's like, now, how many of them was it? Is it, <laughs> is it just they they? Or was it them they? You know. I, like, <laughs> I just need to know how many we talking about. Because pronouns. And right, like having, right, right. having queer friends and like all that. Yeah. So <laughs> and she, was, she was like, you know, she's like, you just say partner. She's like, I just don't know. I just want to ask for clarification. Um, so, I don't know. Just like, I... For all the problems that exist, you know, in terms of how difficult it is to find community in upstate New York, it's like my, my, and I may even think about, so like when I got to this new job, which is like a whole bunch of, you know, you know, rough and tumble old white dudes, like I didn't even think twice about quote unquote being mm-hmm. out on the job. Cause it's like, I don't have any other way in the past like few years of like living. Yeah, like it was, right. it was not an option yeah. for me. I'm like, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine not doing that. Mm-hmm. Not, and I get, that's not to say that, you know, I think that. Everybody is able to do that. I realize yeah. why people aren't, but it's like just for me, like it's not an option. The you know, the I guess the mix of community and like that 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 practice is what kind of like I don't mm-hmm. it's like, oh bitch, I'm you know, not only I'm gay, but I guess yeah. confidently so. Yeah. So yeah. I know we all struggle to like find queer community, but like it's so possible. Right. We we did this shit. We made it to fifty episodes in Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. Yeah. We did. Broadcasting live from my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. This is swell, my friend. How we gonna wrap it up? Just 50. Thank thank y'all for helping us get to 50. I was about to say half a century, but that's 50 episodes, not 50 years. (laughs) Aspirational. We, you know, if we were, if we were a TV show, 50 episodes. Like, that's pretty good. That's like two seasons. Yeah. Right? No. Bitch, what? 
maybe two seasons of like a Shonda Rhimes show. Oh, but like, but like oh, that's like five seasons. Yeah, of like a, a regular like basic bitch show. Yeah. What I was thinking, Frasier has like two hundred episodes. We're a quarter Frasier. That is, I'm 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 gonna reserve my comments. But that is not a bad place to be. <laughs> yeah. And we hope you continue listening. Yes. So, here's to 50 more. I wish there was a song with 50 in it. I really feel like we need to... We didn't sing, really. We, we sang a little bit. Maybe we can do an outro duet. <laughs> what are we going to sing? No, that last time we did that work outro, that was... <laughs> <laughs> And I feel that way again. I don't want to go to work. I, I don't want to go to work. Oh. <laughs> but rent. Yeah. Rent is due every month. Yeah. Every month, though? Yeah. What? I, that's what I want to think about in 50 years. I don't want there to be no fucking rent. Yeah. Socialized housing. Let's do that. All right. I don't think we got a song. It's okay. We have a song in our hearts and a pep in our step. We gotta end it some way. Oh my gosh, we almost forgot about the event that we have coming up. Oh, right. Good thing we didn't end it. All right, and so definitely before we end this episode, we have to talk about, because we are bi-weekly, the two major things that are coming up for Queer Walk. The first, my birthday, <laughs> September I didn't realize that that was a Queer Walk event. <laughs> wow. So, um, if you all will be uh, under this Virgo season that we are in, send me uh, celebration of life messages. Anyway, uh, the second event. <laughs> Interesting order. Interesting priority here. <laughs> the second event, which is an actual Queer Walk event. An actual Queer Walk event. <laughs> we will be doing a live show here in Syracuse, uh, thanks to the LGBT Resource Center that always holds us down and backs us up. Yep. Uh, thank you so much uh, to the LGBT Resource Center thank you all. here in Syracuse. Uh, we'll be doing a live show on October 20th uh, with special guest Diamond special Styles. Guest. Diamond Styles of Marsha's Plate Podcast and Sir Knight of Black Trans TV. So, uh, yeah, if you can make it, up here, I hope it won't be too cold and snowing by then. No. Um. Yeah, but because we're bi-weekly, it's like we have to basically we do have this to say a month in yeah. advance. Yeah. And because we know Syracuse is like up in the middle of nothing. Yeah. So if y'all want to take the venture up here, right. it's a Saturday. I'm going to say, if you're on the eastern seaboard and you want to come up, yeah, you should do it. Come fuck with us. So... <laughs> <laughs> you always uh, look at me like that. When I, I, I think we should wrap this up. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I'll have the um, information for all of that in the description in the as description. well. But yes, within the next month, be getting ready to mosey on to Syracuse if you can for the Queer Walk Live show. Get to you can get to see Money's expressive shoulders live. Yes, I think you kind of heard them there. Okay. <laughs> we love you all so much we appreciate you all not just submitting questions but again always being here uh, part of the hashtag queer WOC community uh, we could not have gotten to 50 episodes um, without you and I think we're going to get to our just next 50 out here making queer history just like Whitney Okay. All right. <laughs> shots fired why are you opening up controversies and we're trying to wrap up the episode 
episode. Bye, y'all. Bye.